Let's do this. What is virtualization? You're going to learn today. Innovate like a startup. Deliver like an enterprise. I hope you're coffeeed up and ready because it's going to be a great day. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the Virtually Speaking Podcast with Pedro Aero and John Nicholson. Good afternoon and welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast, episode number 198. My name is Pete Fletcher, a.k.a. Pedro Arrow, and joining me once again is Mr. John Nicholson. John, happy Independence Day, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling some freedom. Although it's, <laughs> it's not quite July, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For those uh, reading the news or in the know, you, you, I'm sure you're aware that uh, VMware has uh, completed their Dell spinoff. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it's been eight. 18 years since VMware did not have a majority uh, shareholder in the form of another individual or company. So, uh, I mean, when you think back 18 years, Pete, there's only a handful of employees who've been around that long. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of which is uh, is the person that we recorded probably about a week or so ago, uh, just after VMworld. Uh, John and I had the opportunity to pull in uh, the new CTO of VMware. Uh, he's been on the podcast before, but uh, Kit Colbert. And uh, yeah, we had a good conversation with him talking about his whole run through VMware, some of the stuff he's done, and uh, a lot of fun conversation. Uh, he's uh, Kit. Kit's a, Kit's a good guy, and uh, we had a great conversation with him. Yeah, let's let's roll the tape. VMware CTO Kit Colbert, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. And officially, last time we spoke to you, you weren't the CTO. So officially, congratulations. <laughs> yes, I was a CTO before, but yes. now I've been upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> the CTO. <laughs> That's pretty it's amazing funny. what changing an article, you know, will do. I know. That. <laughs> you wouldn't think I'd do much, but somehow I've got all these additional responsibilities now and I'm much more tired. But <laughs> yeah. having a lot of fun though. It's uh it's been it's been 30 odd days, I think. Yeah. Since it officially happened and um, drinking from the fire hose, obviously, but super, super fun. Uh, just amazing how many things are going on and a lot of things I didn't know about. Right. And just be able to dig in has been super enriching. Oh, yeah. When you are the CTO, suddenly you're involved with just about every project that's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot happening, <laughs> but it's good. It just shows the breadth. Yeah, and what I love about VMware is until you, when you come and work here and you start poking around, you realize that there's projects that have been lurking for five plus, like, like the ARM guys. Like those guys yeah. were hiding in plain <laughs> yeah. sight. If you, if you knew of their like their secret, you know, bird logo, whatever shirts, you knew where to find them or something. But projects will lurk for very long times. There's very long R and D horizons. Yeah, and um, you know, one of them. Uh, that I've been wrapping my head around is is our enterprise blockchain offering. And I think that one's super interesting for a number of reasons. First of all, when I first heard about it, I was like, blockchain, like, what are we doing with cryptocurrencies? Yeah, but right. They were like, no, 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 dude. It's got nothing to do with <laughs> crypto. Uh, I mean, crypto technology, but not cryptocurrencies. Right. And so it's really, you know, that one's interesting because it is really about the next generation of application architecture moving to a, what, what, we, what we're terming decentralized applications. And, and there you've got multiple parties that are operating the single application together, right? Multiple instances that have to connect with each other, you have to share data across them, you need that data to be consistent, you need security and privacy built in there. So that's, you know, blockchain is great for that, right? It's, it's well-made, you know, Bitcoin supports that, you know, but those algorithms have tended to be pretty inefficient in the past and extremely compute intensive. And so this is a cool example where we had research that was done four or five years ago into how to really evolve the Byzantine fault tolerance algorithms to better cope with this. 
And the result of all that work is now a product that we have working with customers. And we're seeing, you know, really, really great uh, outcomes of that, you know, really high performance, like better than anyone else out there and much less resource utilization at the same time. So this is like a really cool example, you know, about the, the long gestation period. And frankly, you know, we're still in it, right? The team's still figuring a lot of things out, still working through the product market fit, but a lot of really early uh, encouraging signs. Oh yeah. I actually watched the, uh, the what's next uh, keynote. Uh, and that was, <laughs> it was just filled with those. And I love the yeah. fact that it was, you know, it was not only, you know, you and Chris Wolf talking about, you know, what's new, but pulling in all of these guys to give even demos of the various yep. pieces, Radeon and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> I mean, that, that session was packed with all kinds of really, really fun stuff. Yeah. And just like, let the technology speak for itself, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that, that's why I love about demos too. It's like, dude, just, so it's funny because with the way, you know, that it happened, uh, it was kind of a tight timeline between my announcement and needing to record it. It was like, I think that same week I had to go in like a day or two after the announcement. Cause they're like, Hey, we got to get this thing done. So I can mm. put it into post-production, but you know, I barely did anything. Right. I literally, I think I recorded for like five minutes <laughs> at most did my <laughs> intro did my outro and I was out. And so like, really it was the team oh, yeah. that did all the magic there. And you know, we had this really great program in terms of uh, the, the different sorts of incubation projects. And I think, you know, hats off to Chris Wolf as well, our chief research and innovation officer, who's really honed that whole process to help it better align with our business outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things you saw in the office of the CTO, you know, many years back was that a lot of our research and um, incubation initiatives weren't as tied to uh, our current business priorities. And the challenge there, and the challenge actually, and this is something I think across the industry with these sort of centers of innovation is that it's really hard to move from those initial early incubation stages to actually getting it out into the market, into productization. Because it's like, hey, you might say, I've got this really cool technology. Then you go talk to all the BUs and they're like, well, we're busy doing other stuff. How does this help me in my current thing? And so what we do now is really work ahead of time to get on top of that. And so that every one of those projects that you saw there, um, this is just a subset of the many projects we have internally, but the ones in that session, they all have BU sponsors who have said, hey, this technology is awesome uh, and it's core to our business. So like Radium, for example, uh, what you just mentioned, really looking at how we can rethink ML optimizations to support any sort of underlying hardware, not just GPUs, but regular CPUs or FPGAs, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, that technology, you know, is sponsored by our, our core cloud infrastructure business group. And so as a matter of fact, uh, I just saw the announcement yesterday or whatever it was that they officially graduated out of incubation. Now they're moving over to the BU to be the next generation technology uh, there. So again, a great example of of the sort of um, just consistent innovation that's coming out of that organization. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's cool with that project is it's it's a combination of long work we've done as well as other, I guess, immediate things that are shipping. Like it's based mm-hmm. on BitFusion, which was yeah. already this abstraction thing that's that. Mm-hmm. So it is fun seeing that that blend of, you know, we've got existing things that are working in the market, but finding ways to blend this long term research in. Yep. Well, yeah, I think there's a number of really interesting things. So number one, you're right. It, it's the next generation uh, BitFusion technology and really a, a fundamental rethinking of it. But the story, I think, gets a bit more interesting because of the fact that Muzzer, the uh, one of the co-founders of Bitfusion, is actually leading that that radium work, right? Oh. And and it was one of these cool things where we can offer the these startup founders who you know we acquire their startups, and oftentimes what you see is that these start the, the founders will go off and leave to go do something else. But what's really cool is that we actually can. Um, 
redirect those founders into new projects because you know a lot of these people are serial entrepreneurs they love trying new things yeah, and that yeah. sort of stuff so this is a great case where mother was like hey i want to try this new thing and we're like well let's do it at vmware so you know we, we gave him a space to, to go and do that and he's you know done some phenomenal he and his team have done phenomenal work there and <clears throat> we're seeing as i said it's graduated they proved out what they needed to prove and now we're going back to productization and we've done that with a few other folks as well we've got about uh, three or four former startup founders who are now in our X Labs uh, doing projects, uh, or no, well, in, in the research innovation area, mm-hmm. I should say, broader than just X Labs, who are doing projects. And so, a great example of how we can take this, you know, passion and hunger for innovation and show how it can be done within a large organization such as VMware. I love it. Well, you get the the benefits of scale, but you also get that kind of academic startup Mm -hmm. environment there. And one of the things I've always liked about our MA strategy is, uh, while we do have some big, you know, billion dollar acquisitions from time to time, if you look down the list, there's a lot of companies that you haven't heard of, but that technology, it folds, it folds well in as well as the people often very well fold in to the organization. I see a lot of, like you say, founders actually sticking around versus, you know, let's go spend $2 billion to enter a market that we've never done. Like, let's go spend a billion dollars and buy palm or flip or like some (laughs) consumer camera company and then like write it off a year later like the the tech industry is full of a lot of very questionable m&a that has lit a lot of money on fire frankly and i i'm i'm proud to say i feel like we're not sitting here yeah we do it well you know we're we're not heating the offices with with acquisition money i don't think we're you know necessarily uh the paragon of of perfection here or anything (laughs) i mean you know i think honestly like you know being very Candid, right? We had we had uh, some time there. Maybe what was it? Twenty tens, early twenty tens time frame, or maybe oh, late slide rocket. Aught. Yeah, let's not. Talk yes, about I slide mean our rocket, good old friend so. Slide Rocket. You well, know, I think we, we learned we from our Zimbra. You know, going to become a mail company. You know, so we had some of those <laughs> issues there. Um, but you know, that that was kind of a, a phase, I think, because I think you're right. Now we, we bring a lot more maturity to that M and A process, and and we think very carefully about the organic versus inorganic choices. And that you're right. Sometimes you got to go for the, for the inorganic, you know, big splash acquisition because you see a market that uh, is a huge opportunity and yet it's already pretty far along and to do something organically would just take too long to be able yeah. to catch up. But it goes back to the other point you made though, um, that a lot of these innovations do take a long time to, to seed themselves, to gestate. And, and that goes back, I think, to our sort of discipline in that, that we can get in early on something and really see it through. Mm-hmm. So I think there's good examples of both uh, organic and inorganic innovation happening. And you're going to have to have a balance of both, especially at any large company. Oh, yeah. Well, I will say that, you know, it seems like VMware from 2010 to now is it's a different, very different company in the sense that even the strategy now, like with VMware Cloud, it's so mm-hmm. it's it's huge, but it's so focused. Like, and I think your keynote, if, if anyone hasn't seen the keynote, take a look. But your session on the on the on VMware Cloud just really brought all of these different solutions that people have been hearing about into one really simple story. You know, (laughs) VMware Cloud, well, what is it? It, I remember early days, I was, oh, that that must just be VMware Cloud on AWS. And then it was like, oh, wait, it's so much more than just... VMware Cloud on AWS, which, by the way, is a, yep. is a, is a great service. But boy, the the, the way it just the really is much bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's a good point. It's I was laughing, by the way, a moment ago, because there was a lot of stuff and we only had 20. I don't know how many minutes we had, but whatever it was, I was pushing up against it. So I remember doing that with those recordings because I was just like ripping <laughs> through it as fast as I could. And I was like, I hope this comes out OK, because there's like a lot of material to cover. Um, but, you know, it, it was nice to sort of have that opportunity to bring the story together into mm-hmm. one place. And and you're right, you know, I think we have changed a lot 
Raghu talks about this as our our third chapter. The first being core, you know, compute virtualization. The second being software-defined data center. And now we're in the multi-cloud modern app era. And I think we're extremely well positioned for that. But I also think at the same time, it's going to be one of the largest transitions that we've got to make, particularly because of this transition from traditional, you know, selling traditional shrink wrap software products to selling cloud services and subscription and SaaS and everything that goes along with that. And so I think there's there's certainly technology changes, but honestly, the bigger uh, challenges will be around the culture and process changes that go along with that. And I think we made some good moves. You know, we have a lot of cloud services today, right? And the question is, how do we really get into that phase where we're accelerating there? So I think we've done a lot of the good early work and put the foundations in place, but now we've got to move to acceleration. And so that's some of what uh, my team's working on now within the office of the CTO. We have a whole team focused on building out a, a, a SaaS platform, if you will, a platform for all of our cloud services. Because what you find is that each of the different services are having to resolve the same problem because we mm-hmm. don't have a single solution, right? And so we're going to go and look at all these things and try to reduce that duplication, try to do it once and do it well, instead of doing a lot of times and not doing it so well for each of those. And this is just going to be coming you know, bigger and bigger. Um, we're you know making a lot of headway in terms of uh, compliance certification with things like VMware Cloud and AWS, where they're leading the way. Yeah, uh, FedRAMP and, and so forth. And now, you know, so many of our other services need to go along that journey too. And that really requires that sort of standardization in terms of the underlying platform. So these are some of the things that uh, that I'm excited that we're driving. Um, but as I said, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity, but a tremendous amount of work going in there as well, which is part of the fun, you know, that's what makes yeah. these things interesting. It just looks so simple watching the demo and you're like, oh, and here's how we're in here. We can just containerize a workload. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> just by yeah, clicking. I know. It's that's kind of insane. Funny, it? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, but it's so, so again, like but th- those are you know, that's pretty cool. Um that we're taking this project Iris that, that we did. Yeah. Um we've been working on for a few years in different ways and now building it in. So it's just really a point and click type situation mm-hmm. uh, built into the the um VMware Cloud console. So yeah, so I think it's and and you know, one other thing I'll say, which I sound like a broken record here, because a lot of customers and you know, I think the industry at large still looks at us like it is 2010, you know, <laughs> and like we are just focused on core virtualization and they don't see all, all the amazing stuff we're doing. But let me just tell you a few different things that I'm seeing that frankly, again, I don't think we've done a good enough job explaining from from like an end-to-end standpoint, just the breadth of the functionality we have. And how it can provide some really, really cool capabilities to customers hmm. in ways that might surprise folks. So, for instance, we're doing really well on, uh, or really investing heavily on cyber attacks uh, and preventing cyber attacks and ransomware and these sorts of things. And what we have now is essentially this defense in depth type architecture where you know we've got the assets of Workspace ONE to try and protect users and prevent users from accidentally introducing malware into a corporate environment, right? So all sorts of things we can do to lock that down, both for from a desktop, virtual desktop perspective, remote desktop, uh, as well as um, SaaS applications and, and securely accessing those. We have things like Carbon Black, which is focused on endpoint detection and really understanding uh, what sort of behavior is happening within there. Um, I saw some stat that Something that we prevented, something like over the last 90 days, like a million 
uh, ransomware type attacks that Carbon Black's been, been able to stamp out. So mm -hmm. like just amazing type stuff. Secure State focused on uh, understanding compliance and posture uh, for a lot of your uh, cloud objects uh, that, that are out there, cloud resources. You look at like NSX and what we're doing with Tanzu Service Mesh, both of which are applying security policy on the network. And so this can further segment the network. So even if an attacker is able to somehow get in to say one of these endpoint devices, and even if that attacker is somehow able to you know, trick out Carbon Black or maybe Carbon Black's not enabled on that thing, well, then we can still lock it down such that their network access doesn't get that far and they're unable to proceed further into the network. But then we can go a step further. So even if somehow they even get past that, and that there is a successful, let's say, ransomware attack, and now some data has been encrypted. Well, hey, guess what? We got VMware Cloud Disaster Recovery, and that thing oh, that yeah. has been running on that data, you will have snapshots from uh, potentially as short ago as just 30 minutes. And so, you know, you see the data has been encrypted. The hacker wants a ransom. You're like, nope, I can just restore, dude. I'm good to go. I don't yeah, and these are immutable, <laughs> immutable. <And> so, <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's it's pretty cool, right? And so that that defense in depth and there's just layers of products. And that story I think is so, so powerful. And I don't think it's come out enough. Um, another one that uh, I think is you know really exciting, focusing on service mesh for a minute, is that I'm personally very, very excited, very, very bullish on service mesh in general. Hmm. This ability uh, to really manage networking at an application level. To get out of all of like the the more you know traditional physical networking constructs and like people don't want to deal with that right they just want to manage their apps get them connectivity secure them etc. So we're doing a couple of really fun things with Service Mesh. Number number one is that we're really working closely with uh, the vSphere team to try and build in Service Mesh into vSphere. Like what does that look like? So it just becomes like a a common um, component there that's like. You know, any sort of vSphere object could start using service mesh as their, as their networking, right? And this is a vision thing. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but this is sort of the direction where we're going. And so you can imagine service mesh becoming more of a default construct for infrastructure, for containers, but potentially for VMs as well. And one other thing we're cooking up in the labs is the, this, this project we're calling Crypto Agility. And the idea of Crypto Agility is that many, many people are worried that with the advent of quantum computing, that will disrupt a lot of our existing cryptography algorithms. A lot of these algorithms are based on um, the, the fact that factoring very large numbers is really, really hard. That just takes a lot of time. Right? Yeah. There's kind of this fundamental invariant um, uh, you know, in terms of computer science algorithms work. But those things kind of get turned on their head once you have quantum, because quantum can parallelize a lot of that work and make things that took you know a year now take whatever, you know, a few minutes or hours or something like that. I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah. it's something like orders of magnitude faster right so these algorithms that before were quite you know practically unbreakable now become much more uh easy to break and so people say hey i want to be able to very quickly change out my crypto ciphers and algorithms if this thing starts becoming an issue and that's what you know crypto agility gets out you gotta have the agility to, to change those things and so we have a, a set of libraries we've built around this stuff and have started to, to work on enabling that but what we realized was that you know service mesh is like the perfect place to put this in that it's a sidecar proxy type architecture. It doesn't affect the application at all. And the application can keep doing what it's doing, but the the um, the, the proxy can actually change its encryption algorithm, uh, again, based on you know some of these needs. So this is and pretty cool. So you that can imagine, hey, we can get service mesh to everybody and then have this crypto agility just turned on by default. It's like, wow, that's like really, really cool. And so this is just a few examples of, of how we want to layer these things and create this sort of flywheel, this, this virtuous cycle of, of great innovation. So a couple of small examples, but 
that's part of the reason I'm so excited because I'm learning about all this stuff. I'm like, my God, it all fits together. And yeah, know. oh yeah, I just learned about that a not too re not too long ago. I was speaking to Niran and uh, who works with the Tanzu Service Mesh, and that stuff is yep. fascinating. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the really, API really level cool security. Stuff. It's. I mean, there's just there's. It amazes me because in the you know you go back 15, 20 years ago, everything was in clear text. Yep. Um, you were lucky to have one layer, one, and you had very, very brute. And the amount of layers we're able to add this, and mm -hmm. wow, that I was curious what where the world was going to ha handle quantum attacks on encryption. But it sounds like we're already ahead of it. So I guess yeah. that's the joy of having a group who's you know working the five year and beyond out problems. Yeah, it's funny. Actually, I remember back in college, I took a class. I don't remember what the class was on, but I remember that we talked about kind of algorithms and cryptography and quantum specifically. And so I have these vague recollections. Like this was very theoretical back in the day, right? They're like, we didn't, they didn't have quantum computers. Now we do. We actually do have quantum computers, yeah. although they're very, very basic, like a small number of qubit type things. So they're not quite general purpose yet, but they're going to get there, right? They definitely will. And so this is where the th theory is starting to turn into practice. But yeah, essentially the, the new cryptography algorithms are really, really interesting. And What's funny about them, and I forget exactly how they work, is that they become a bit more probabilistic in the sense that <laughs> I guess there's like a small chance that you might just may not be able to unencrypt the data you encrypt anymore. <laughs> so like, hopefully That's... they, I mean, it's been 20 years since I took that class. So hopefully they, they fixed that those algorithms. So now they're a bit more reliable. <laughs> but this is a challenge we're going to have in terms of modern, you know, quantum uh, proof cryptography. And exactly why we need crypto agility so yeah we can real. continue to evolve and uh and iterate on that one nice i know we're running low on time but i did want to ask like it's been obviously a different type of vm world everything being remote yep. uh what was it like for you did you get any did you still have some level of customer interaction you know any any anything any takeaways from this vm world from from your perspective oh man this was a special one because we actually did have a very small in-person aspect to vm world so we had uh what they call this executive session so so uh, for a set of customers in the U.S., uh, we actually invited to the VMware campus to meet in person. That's and, right. Yeah. Um, it's only like 40, 45 folks. I mean, it's a very, very small number, obviously, because of COVID protections and all that. And because international travel was, you know, people weren't sure what, where that was going to be. So we, right, we yeah. limited it. But we had a really, really good um, couple of days together. And yeah, man, everyone, I think everyone was in the same boat was just like, man, it's so nice to be back in person because yeah. you know you'd have the breakfast and you start up a good conversation randomly with people sitting next to you and you'd have the lunches and just the, those sort of spontaneous discussions that don't lend themselves that well to a virtual environment it's just it's just much harder right it's not the kind of our natural environment as humans and that that was just so awesome uh so i, I took a lot out of those couple of days and uh you know i just can't wait till we can all get back in person so oh, fingers yeah. crossed that next year VMworld will be able to be in person again, and maybe we'll do two of them again, one in the US, one in EMEA, but we'll see. Uh, only time will tell. And, you know, frankly, with COVID, I, I feel like I can barely plan a week out, <laughs> let alone a year <laughs> out, given the, the speed of change here. So, yeah, for sure. Well, we're coming to the top of the hour, Kit. Kit this has been fun. I appreciate you joining the uh, podcast with us this week. Uh, uh, I know you've had a crazy busy week uh, as CTO at VM for VMware at VMworld. So thanks for taking time to chat with us. Of course. Happy to be here. Thank you. All right. Well, that music tells me it's time to go. And so if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast at VMware.com. You can subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice by searching Virtually Speaking Podcast. You can catch this in all episodes at bespeakingpodcast.com. A big thanks to the CTO, Kit Colbert, for joining us this week. We're back next week, but until then, bye for now.
Enough of this jibber-jabber. <laughs>